Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. We've got our Friday show going over the biggest news stories of the week, recapping the injury report, and answering your questions. Reminder, to have your questions answered on the show, tweet them at me, at mholder95, or email them to sbppquestions1 at gmail.com by 5 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday. Again, at mholder95, or sbppquestions1 at gmail.com. Let's get to it. Before we get too far into the news, I wanted to give a quick reminder to anyone going to the game this Sunday that you either need to get your vaccine clearance or at least get your first shot ahead of time. The Raiders will hold alternate screen and vaccination services for this game this weekend in a tent at Allegiant Stadium in Lot B. The site will be open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday and 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Sunday. An additional site or tent will be available in Lot J on Sunday. You can thank the Las Vegas Review-Journal's Mick Akers for that tidbit of information. With the recent resignation of former Raiders head coach John Gruden, Gruden's contract has been a topic of discussion over the last couple of weeks. He infamously signed a 10-year, $100 million contract and was only in the fourth year of it, so that this whole situation creates some potential compensation issues. Per NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Gruden is owed about $40 million from the Raiders, but he and the team are working on a settlement. While we're on the topic of Gruden news, I'll just go ahead and lump everything together. That way, anyone who's listening who's tired of hearing about it can skip it all in just one full swoop. On HBO's Real Sports podcast, Andrea Kramer made an appearance to talk about Gruden's situation and said that one of her team's sources has told them that Gruden is still in Vegas, quote-unquote, letting the dust settle and is apparently waiting for the truth to come out. To be honest with you, I don't 100% know what that means, but it sounds like the coach is planning to make a return to the sidelines, as those are some interesting and cryptic quotes. Per Cody Benjamin of CBS Sports and the New York Times, the feds are now getting involved in the Gruden email and Washington football team scandal. The U.S. House of Representatives Oversight Committee sent a letter to the NFL and Commissioner Goodell stating that they have concerns about how the whole Washington football team scandal was handled. They're asking the league to turn over any findings, which includes information from the 150 interviews they conducted, the 650,000 emails they read, and several other documents, as really the only piece of information that's been made public were Gruden and Bruce Allen's emails. It sounds like the investigation is more focused on the football team and that whole debacle than it is Gruden and the Raiders, but we should get more transparency, which is a step in the right direction. On a still related but slightly different topic, running back Josh Jacobs was recently quoted about how different the Raiders' sidelines was this Sunday without Gruden. The direct quote from Jacobs was, Man, the sideline was just so. It was like, it wasn't no anxiety. It was weird. It was like everyone was calm. You didn't have somebody cussing at you or going crazy at the rest. None of that. Something bad happened. It was like, okay, next play. While Jacobs doesn't name the coach specifically, let's just say there's a reason why Gruden earned the Chucky nickname and he was a glaring absence from Las Vegas' sideline against Denver, so I think it's safe to assume the running back was talking about his former coach in that quote. In a bit of a surprise, neither Derek Carr nor Max Crosby was named AFC Player of the Week for their performances last Sunday. Carr went 18 of 27 on his passes for 341 yards and two touchdowns against the Broncos, while Crosby racked up 12 pressures, three sacks, a tackle for loss, and six total tackles. 
Instead, the honors went to the Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry, which kind of makes sense since he ran for 143 yards and three touchdowns on 20 carries against the Bills. And Pittsburgh Steelers pass rusher T.J. Watt, who had two sacks, three TFLs, and a big fourth fumble that led to Pittsburgh's overtime win. That's a tough pill to swallow for Carr and Crosby, but I'm sure they'll be back in the running in no time. It comes with the territory this time of year, but the Raiders have lost another player off their practice squad, and this one was one of their draft picks from their most recent draft. The Houston Texans signed rookie center Jimmy Morrissey to their active roster off of the Raiders' practice squad. The Texans' starting center Justin Brett was recently injured, so they were looking to add some depth, and Morrissey might be in the mix for some playing time over there. However, the Raiders have had plenty of struggles up front this season, so it isn't exactly comforting to see them lose guys in the trenches. The good news is the team brought in veteran offensive lineman DJ Fluker to the practice squad to replace the 7th round pick. Fluker is in his ninth season and has become a bit of an NFL journeyman after starting his career with the Chargers for 4 years, then going to the New York Giants for a season, Seattle for 2 more, then Baltimore for 2020, and he spent the beginning of training camp in 2021 with the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins put Fluker on injured reserve on July 29th after he had surgery to repair a torn meniscus and he's been recovering ever since. The injury is likely why he was on the practice squad and not the active roster, since he'll likely have to spend at least a week or two getting back into playing shape. It's important to note that Fluker has experience playing both tackle spots and right guard, but he has never played center in his career. Also, he adds to the team's ever-growing list of former Alabama players. In another roster transaction, the Raiders signed veteran cornerback Desmond Trufant to the active roster on Monday. Trufant is another nine-year pro who spent the first seven seasons of his career with the Atlanta Falcons before playing in Detroit last season. Then he signed with the Chicago Bears this offseason, but was cut at the end of training camp and headed to New Orleans shortly thereafter. Trufant played two games for the Saints before getting released and now figures to help a young and banged-up secondary for Las Vegas. Both Rich Visaccia and Cus Bradley referred to Trufant as the team's third corner this week, so we may see some action on Sunday. Casey Hayward is clearly the top player at the position, with Brandon Faison likely starting on the outside opposite of Hayward, and Nate Hobbs playing in the slot, so Trufant may end up being the first corner off the bench. Trufant spent several years playing for Dan Quinn in Atlanta, and Quinn and Bradley have similar defensive philosophies dating back to their time spent together in Seattle, so the newest Raiders should have at least some familiarity with the system. The Raiders also worked out Darquez Denard, who ended up signing with the Colts practice squad, and 2013 first-round pick DJ Hayden and defensive tackle Chris Slayton this week. Slayton is on the Falcons practice squad while Hayden remains a free agent. Alright, on to the injury report. As per usual, we'll start with the DNPs, and that's actually a little more encouraging this week than normal. Third-string tight end Nick Bowers is dealing with a neck injury, and Coach Bisacci has already ruled him out for this week's game against the Eagles. As you might remember, Bowers' role in team increased after Derek Carrier tore his peck and is out for the season, so that leaves just Darren Waller and Foster Moreau as the only tight ends on the active roster. Undrafted free agent Matt Bushman is still on the practice squad, so he could get activated to make his NFL debut on Sunday, unless the team opts to stick with Waller and Moreau and see how Bowers' injury progresses next week. Now, Bushman can make his NFL debut and go back down to the practice squad next week, but that would mean the Raiders would have to cut him and he'd be subject to waivers, so they might not want to risk losing him unless Bowers is going to be out for a while. We'll see how that unfolds. Quentin Jefferson has been the only other consistent DNP this week, but it's not injury-related as he's dealing with a personal issue. At this time, there's no word on if he'll play this weekend, but look for Solomon Thomas to get some more reps on Sunday. More good news from the limited guys as Dallin Levitt was the only player that was limited on Thursday as he's dealing with a quad injury and actually sat out of Wednesday's practice. The full participants make up a rather long list, but the most notable is defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins. 
Hankins missed last week with a hip injury and was limited on Wednesday, but was upgraded to a full go yesterday. His presence is going to be much needed against Jason Kelsey and the Eagles on Sunday. As for the full participants, I'll just go ahead and rattle them off for you guys one by one. Derek Carr has a left finger injury, Max Crosby hip, Brian Edwards was limited on Wednesday with a hamstring injury, but an FP on Thursday, Brandon Faison hip, Nick Wachowski limited on Wednesday with a toe injury, then a full go on Thursday, Colton Miller, same situation but with a pec, Carl Nassib ribs, Yannick Ngakwe knee, Denzel Perryman thumb, Henry Ruggs limited on Wednesday, full go on Thursday with a knee injury, John Simpson elbow, Solomon Thomas wrist, and Darren Waller took a rest day on Wednesday but was an FP on yesterday with a knee injury. As for the Eagles, they don't have a whole lot of injury news, but right tackle Lane Johnson will be returning this week after taking some time off to take care of his mental health, and Dallas Clark was activated off the reserve slash COVID-19 list after missing last week, and that'll do it for this week's injury report. As per usual, we'll wrap things up with your questions, and once again, submit your questions to me on Twitter at mholder95, or email them to sbpppquestions1 at gmail.com, at mholder95, or sbpppquestions questions1 at gmail.com. First question, does Farrell get dealt? If so, to whom? I think this is actually the second time I've been asked this, but uh, I don't think so right now at this point. You know, I think, like I said last time, I think the Raiders have kind of done a lot to kill his trade value by not playing him, making him a healthy scratch and whatnot. So I don't know how many teams are really going to be interested in him, especially seeing as the Raiders don't seem to be that interested in them on their own right. So I don't think he'll end up getting dealt Maybe there's a team that needs a defensive lineman that's a good run defender that might trade him. But at this point, I don't really think they have much negotiation or much leverage as far as trading uh, trading Cleveland Farrell since, I mean, they're not using him. And I would imagine if any team is going to be looking for someone like a Cleveland Farrell, they can probably find a free agent that's just as good or can do exactly what they're looking for at this point. And I mean, if they really want Cleveland Farrell... I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to play a game with Trick Chicken with the Raiders and basically just wait to see if they're end up cutting him in the offseason, which, I mean, we have to talk about or we'll talk about later on, but is a realistic possibility if they end up cutting weight. Again, if you're not going to use the guy, he's going to probably going to want to ask for a release because he wants to go somewhere else or it just doesn't make sense for you to keep him around anymore and hold up a roster spot. So, yeah, I think Farrell's going to be on the roster for the rest of the year. I'd be very surprised if he ends up getting dealt and you know it'll be a, a question of whether to keep them in the offseason. All right, next question. The Eagles are probably a tad better than the Broncos. What's your prediction for Sunday? Honestly, I don't really know if the Eagles are better than the Broncos. I mean, the Eagles, when I was kind of doing my research for this week, there aren't a whole lot of matchups that really scare me, the biggest one being how Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave can wreak havoc against John Simpson, Andre James, and Alex Leatherwood and, and as uh, pass rushers and whatnot. That one definitely worries me, but it's not something I'm terribly concerned about because I think with Greg Olson at the helm, they're going to use a lot more play action. They're going to move the pocket a little bit more to kind of negate some of those interior rushers where I think the Raiders can have a good game plan involved to kind of take those guys out of the game. Um, So I think they'll be all right in that regard. You know, there was a tweet floating around that the Raiders got up to average or slightly above average in play action usage with Olson at the game at the helm. Excuse me, and I really don't feel fear much about Philly's offense. They are a team that is efficient at running the ball, but I think because they play from behind so much that they don't or they can't run the ball as much. So I think if the Raiders can get up early, they can kind of get Philly out of their game or get Philly 
to kind of play with their weakness right now, which is Jalen Hurts, who has kind of looked pretty awful so far. So I'm not terribly worried about Philly's offense that much. Again, if they can get a lead and they can start running the ball, which is the Raiders' weakness, then I think it can be a little bit of an issue. But to be honest with you, Philly doesn't really scare me. I feel like the Raiders should take care of business. Obviously, at home this year, they've had those slow starts, so hopefully that changes. They looked a lot better last week, came out and scored a touchdown on the opening drive. I believe kicked a field goal in the second, or at least looked good throughout the entire game. Looked a lot better to start the game than they have in the past this season. So I think they'll be good, and I honestly think the Raiders should win this one fairly convincingly by at least two possessions. Uh, I'm going to go 31-21 Raiders, and the Raiders head 5-2 and two into the bye week. Was the win over the Broncos a fluke thanks to the emotions of that week, or the Raiders actually better without Gruden? Well, I do think the emotions played a big factor, and that's probably wearing off after this week if it hasn't already, and definitely will wear off after the bye week. But I think the Raiders might actually be better without Gruden. You know, we talked about with uh, Josh Jacobs' comments, the sideline being a lot more calm, a lot more even keeled without Gruden there, and I think that will benefit the team a lot too. And then the offensive philosophies, which we were just talking about in the last question, where the Raiders were a lot more modern on offense, using play action, getting the running backs involved with Greg Olson calling the plays. And the other thing that I liked that Greg Olson did is he gave up some of the control to Derek Carr and let Derek Carr take command of this offense and kind of call the plays that he feels comfortable with. So I think in that regard, the Raiders could actually be better without Gruden. Obviously, this week will be a big test for that too, especially to take out the emotions. And then the week after that, or the week after the bye week, I should say, will definitely be a good litmus test to see how good this team is and see if maybe Gruden was really holding this team back. But I think they can have a lot more offensive success with the more modern approach, especially getting a guy like Kenyon Drake involved in the passing game, which still baffles me why Gruden would sign that guy and be so excited about signing him then just not use him, only for the Raiders to use him as soon as Gruden is gone. But whatever, that's a side note, side tangent for another day. But yeah, I do think the Raiders offense can be a lot more efficient and a lot more effective um you know as far as the uh, analytics go i think they'll probably be a little bit closer to that a little bit closer to the, those new stats and numbers that modern offense that we're talking about and then just as far as like a sideline presence goes i think having someone that's a little bit more calm can benefit you um, obviously that can also have its negatives as well maybe start, start off slower which hard to believe the raiders can start off much slower so with that yeah, I mean, I think right now we're looking at the Raiders might be better without John Gruden on the sidelines. But, of course, these next few weeks will be very, very telling in that regard. And this question came from James, and he also asked another question about Walnut Creek not being a part of the Bay Area. And I just want to say, James, I don't appreciate you disrespecting my hometown and continuing to disrespect my hometown. So I'm going to ask that you please stop it because I know you're listening to this to get your question answered. So please stop the disrespect or I'll have to handle it in the most Walnut Creek fashion which is calling the lawyer right now. Are the injuries the Raiders taking circumstantial or would a new strength and conditioning coach possibly help? I lean towards circumstantial. With a guy like Richie Incognito, he's obviously you know 38 years old and his body seems to be kind of declining and giving out on him a little bit. A new strength and conditioning coach isn't going to make that guy any younger. Denzel Good, his injury, I believe he kind of got rolled up on. Again, strength and conditioning coach isn't going to make a difference in that situation. Now there are guys like Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen, who I believe had non-contact injuries, and maybe you could say a strength and conditioning coach would help. But here's the thing about the NFL. Most of the players, especially the really rich ones, have their own sort of trainers or their own personal trainers and kind of do their own programs and whatnot anyway. So most of these players are going to listen to and kind of take the advice of the people that they're personally paying to 
do exactly just that and maybe not necessarily someone that works with the team you know someone who works with the team might be able to you know get their ears a little bit and give them some suggestions and whatnot but at the end of the day the players are probably going to listen to the people that they're actually paying versus somebody that the team is so i've always kind of felt like it's a bit of a pr stunt or kind of a cop-out move whenever the training staff gets fired in these situations because again at the end of the day the majority of the time these guys are spending with is not with the team's strength and conditioning coach. Now, some will spend more times than others, especially the guys that are lower on the roster, maybe not making as much money. But typically, those are the guys we're not worried about as much when it comes to injuries. So I don't know how much sense it really makes to get rid of the strength and conditioning coach. And to be honest with you, I, you know, I don't really think there's much of a difference that those guys make, again, because most of these players are going to be spending most of their time with people outside of the organization. So... We'll see what happens, but yeah, I'm I don't I'm not going to advocate for a new strength and conditioning coach. Not something I know a whole lot about. I'm not a kinesthesiology major or anything like that. But to me, these seem more circumstantial that I don't really know what a new strength and conditioning coach, how, how much a new strength and conditioning coach would really help. That'll wrap up this week's show. And before I exit, I wanted to touch on the plans for next week. With it being a bye, there's not going to be a Behind Enemy Lines podcast since, obviously, there is no enemy. As far as Friday's show goes, it'll probably be a lot shorter since there will be no injury report with no game, and there will probably be less lose than normal, but I'll still go over any news that does break and answer your bi-week questions. Thank you guys for tuning in, and as always, make sure you're following me on Twitter, at mholder95, and Silver and Black Pride, and of course, rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys.